Christmas. Good to see you guys on a cold, freezing cold uh, day. I think there's, uh, just so you know, I've, I've checked on this, there is some extra credit that we were giving in heaven if you're here today. So just want to make sure you guys are okay. And uh, you guys down here front, I'll try not to spit too much as I, as I get going. Well, so the last, uh, last couple of weeks, we've been in a series called Let the, uh, the Light Has Come, and we're talking about uh, darkness and light. And what we're talking about there is not just, obviously, you know, like the sun or lights and darkness, but the spiritual darkness and spiritual light. We live in a world, I think we're all uh, pretty aware of this, but we live in a world that is dark, right? I mean, just, just get up on social media, uh, get into the news, watch the news. Um, we see a world that's at war, literally. Nations are at war. Politicians are at war. Families are at war. It's just one thing after another. We live in the richest nation in the world. We have all of our basic needs met. Even, even those who um, are maybe lower on the economic chain, they still have their basic needs met. They can find ways to have their basic needs met. Most of our wants are satisfied, and yet we live in a world that's depressed, that's struggling, that's angry, discontent. You might be thinking, why is that? Well, the Bible tells us the reason for that is that we live in a world that's spiritually dark. It's a spiritually dark world. We, just as a real quick review... Um, before we get into the, the re- meaning for Christmas and this light that we have, spiritual darkness, we're talking about spiritual death. We're talking about physical death that came upon God's creation. We're talking about spiritual ignorance. And when I say ignorance, I'm not trying to be mean. It's just the, the true definition of ignorance is not knowing the truth. And so we live in a world where people, even though they may feel that they're spiritual, they may even use spiritual terms, they're really ignorant to the truth. They don't know the truth of what is spiritual and what is um, darkness. And basically, they're living off of wrong information. Adam and Eve, God created this world. Adam and Eve were given a choice. They could either do life God's way, they could trust Him, continue in relationship with Him, or they could choose to do life their way. And they decided they were going to be the God of their life. They were going to do life their way. Yes, God had a certain way to live life, but they're going to say, hey, listen, we've got it. We've got it figured out. We know how we're supposed to be doing life. And when they made that choice, I get it. It was just a piece of fruit. But the problem is, God said, hey, don't eat that. Trust me. Everything else is for you. Just don't do this one thing. But they couldn't. They had to do life their way. And that brought spiritual death to them. Physically alive, they would die physically at one point, but they were spiritually dead. And everyone who's lived since then has been born into spiritual darkness. And we have the same choice that Adam and Eve have. To continue doing life our way, or to do life God's way, the way God said to do it. And because we've been doing it our way, this is why we have the issues that we have in our world. Why we have the conflicts that we have in our families. So it's we have the discontented hearts and the, the 
violence and the, and the anger. In fact, uh, in Ephesians 2, you see there, we're not going to go, you can go, go back. So Ephesians 2, we, we talked about it last week. Um, I, I believe it was last week. But uh, Ephesians 2, 1 says that we are uh, dead in our trespasses and sins. And then besides that, Satan, as we find out from the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians, Satan on top of that tries to blind us, to try to keep us from understanding what the truth is, understanding who God is, what He's done for us. And by now, most of you are sitting here going, well, thank you for ruining my Christmas warm fuzzy, right? You came to church, you're singing about Jesus, it's beautiful what, well, anyways, you're here at church and you're singing about Jesus and then the pastor gets up there and just dumps all of this just <laughs> on you. Well, the reason why is this. Because if we don't understand the darkness, if we don't understand the spiritual need that we have, we won't understand the gift that God has given us. The, the spiritual life, the spiritual light that God wants to give to us as His gift. See, the spiritual life, let me hit the next slide there, you go, spiritual life, this is that spiritual, it's an eternal life, we will spend eternity with God, it's it's giving us understanding, the spiritual understanding we need to do life God's way. It's, it's us saying, hey, I'm going to trust what God has to say and not myself. I'm going to do life God's way and not do life my way. It, there's, and this is something only God can do in us, make that change in us. And we're going to see today that God has done that something. He has done what's needed in order for us to have that spiritual life and that spiritual understanding. And it comes through Jesus Christ, the one we celebrate. So our church's desire, this is what we're all about, and at Christmas, I use the term as our gift to you, is that we want you to understand what God has given us. Now I know many of you here are probably already believers. Some of you may not be. I don't know where you're all at. And so if you're a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, this is the message that you have to carry with you as you go into life, to give people a spiritual light, and the spiritual life through faith in Jesus Christ. And if, if you're here tonight and you don't know the Lord, then what I want to do is I want to challenge you. And I want you to think about and, and understand what it is that God has done for you in your need of Him. And like any gift, I'm going to present you a gift tonight. And you have the opportunity to reject it uh, or to receive it. We're going to be answering the question that I posed last week as I ended last Sunday's message. And, and that says, how is it that Jesus is the one who can give spiritual life, and give spiritual light? We're going to be looking into John chapter 1. You can go ahead and turn there. I think it's page 1058 if you're using the Bibles there in front of you. Um, and so we're going to be looking at these first 14 verses. Uh, John, who is a disciple of Jesus Christ, who became an apostle. He was one of the guys who started the church. He'd been with Jesus for over three years. Jesus mentored him and, and trained him. Um, he was an eyewitness, of course, then to the things that took place that Jesus taught and that Jesus um, did. I think it's important to understand that John doesn't do himself any favors by writing this gospel or any of his writings. He wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. He also wrote the Revelation. But he, there's, no, um, there's no good in it for him as it pertains to being in this world. Because by him writing this out, by him sharing about who Jesus Christ is, saying that Jesus is God and that through him is salvation, the, the Roman authorities arrested him 
and they put them onto the island of Patmos. The island of Patmos, um, it's in the Aegean Sea, north of the Mediterranean Sea, but it is what they call a sterile island. There was nothing that grew there. The only people who were there were convicts, and John was sent there because he was preaching about Jesus Christ, and he eventually died there. But he writes this in chapter 20, 31. This is his purpose for writing. He says, but these, talking about the events, teaching, miracles, have been written so you may believe or put your full weight of trust on that Jesus is the Christ. He's the Messiah, the Savior, King, the Son of God. And that believing, you may have life, and talk about spiritual life, in his name. So that's his purpose. That's why John is writing. And in the Gospel of John, John um, he actually uses the, the simplest Greek and yet he gives, in those simplest terms, some of the greatest, uh, deepest doctrinal and theological teachings. And this book challenges everyone. And so, for instance, if uh, an atheist were to read this, and if you're here tonight and maybe you're an atheist, I would challenge you to read through the Gospel of John. You know, you've got to be gutsy enough to take the challenge, because Jesus claims to be the God that atheists say don't exist, or doesn't exist. Agnostics, those who said, well, you really can't know. You really can't know truth. You really can't know absolutes. Well, Jesus says that you can know. You can know God, and you can know absolutes. Uh, there are those who are spiritualists. These are the people that they like to speak in spiritual terms. They like to, you know, I'm just I'm sending you. I just want to make sure that everyone's just kind of loved, and I just want to make sure that, uh, you know, everyone talks about faith and that kind of stuff. But the problem is Jesus says, listen, you can't be spiritual without me. I'm the one who gives spiritual understanding. And then for true followers, those of us who have put our uh, faith in Christ, he challenges us because he says you can't sit on the sidelines. This is a message that you need to take to those in your life who need Jesus Christ. So you can see there's a lot going on in John. Just I haven't even got into it yet. I'm just kind of telling you the, um, a little bit about it. But it's got so much in it. What we're going to be doing January 1st, we're going to be actually starting a new series, and we're going to go all the way through Easter. So I think it's whatever, 14 weeks. And so here's what I want to do. I want to challenge you who are here, uh, and you then can take a challenge to your friends and family that you'd want to invite here. But especially if you're a skeptic and not really sure about who God is and you think you have it kind of all figured out, I just want to challenge you to start reading in the Gospel of John. Again, you've got to be gutsy enough to do this. I know some people are little, they get a little bit nervous when you start challenging what they believe. But as I said one other week, let God, if he's there, let God confirm it for you. So start reading the Gospel of John. Show up on the 1st, and we're going to start going through the rest of, of John. In fact, if you go down to Fremont with us tomorrow, uh, Pastor Tim is going to be talking about um, the rest of chapter 1, maybe into chapter 2. January 1st, come back, and we're going to start going through John. And take time, just take 12, 13, 14 weeks, and really evaluate what you believe. And if at the end of that you're like, nope, I'm still good with what I got, it's all right. I don't, I'm not going to pressure you, but I want you to be able to evaluate and say I've really done that evaluation. All right, so we'll get into the message tonight. I've got another 45, 50, 60 minutes, so i got to get going here. Just kidding, I don't. Um, so, again, what is it? about Jesus that makes him the one who, is, who can give spiritual life and light. So again, we're going to read just the first 14 verses. Um, 
1 through 18 is actually kind of a summary of what he's going to talk about in the entire gospel. We're just going to do 1 through 14. It says this, In the beginning, now have you heard that phrase before in the Bible? Anybody? Where do you, find, where do you see in the beginning? Genesis, yes. The first verse in the entire Bible starts out, In the beginning, God created. Well, John is not just happening to throw that out there. There's a reason why. And so he says, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He, this Word that is evidently a person who is God, was in the beginning with God. So the Word is a person who is God, but evidently is distinct from God. Now, if you're already, you're going like, well, wait a second. Don't mind, I'm going to make it even more uh, you know, confusing here in a second. Oh, let me just say this. If this is your first time with us, you might see, first of all, that I have parentheses and stuff. That, that's me throwing in. Uh, when I read the Bible, what I do is I write down in my journal, you know, notes to myself or questions that I have or um, kind of expand on whatever it is that I'm reading because it helps me read the Bible better because um, I start reading through and next thing you know, I'm a verse or two and I'm just like, what did I just read? You know, none of you guys probably do that, but I do. So, and then I, I did Christmas colors. You know, the red and the green, and that's just for your pleasure and Christmas feel. Okay. Anyways, so all things came into being through him, the word, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In other words, the person who is the word created everything. So if you're wondering, well, did he create? Yes, he did. Well, what are, did he create? Th- yes, he did. He created everything. John's trying to tell us that everything that we see, even the things that we don't see that are still around, he's created in him was life. He's talking about physical and spiritual life. And the life was the light or the spiritual understanding of men. The light shines in the darkness into the spiritual ignorance like our world today. And the darkness did not comprehend or better, probably better, could not overcome it. All right. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. In this case, John the Baptist, not John the Apostle. John the Apostle's writing. He came as a witness to testify about the light. Now, why did God send him? So that all might believe through him. So all might believe who Jesus is based off of John the Baptist, in this case's testimony. He was not the light. John the Baptist was not the light. Some people asked him, are you the light? And No, no, I'm not. But he came to testify about the light. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man, He, the Word, the life, the light, was in the world. Talking about Jesus. And the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, Israel, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born, given spiritual life, Not of the blood, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of the will of God. And the word, he, right, the life, the light, became flesh and dwelt or lived among us. We know that to be Jesus. And we saw his glory, in other words, who he was, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, in other words, that he was God, full of grace and truth. So John's giving us two truths tonight that are together. And we want to break those down tonight. The first one is this. Jesus is God. 
and as God is the only one who can give spiritual life. So if you're thinking about spiritual life, if you want to know spiritual things and understand spiritual things, Jesus is the only one who gives it. And the reason why is because Jesus is God. Secondly, Jesus is man. The only, the only one who took God's judgment for our sin against God. So Jesus is God, and Jesus is man. Fully God, fully man. And we're not going to get into all of point two. That Again, the rest of John, the gospel, gets us into that, but we're going to talk about it here towards the end. And so John ended this section with verse 14. So this is how it ties back. He says, The Word became flesh, and He dwelt among us. And so Jesus is God. He goes all the way back to the beginning. It's interesting. Matthew, in his gospel, he connects um, Jesus back to Abraham in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, Abraham was the grandfather of Israel. Uh, God gave his promises to Abraham uh, and what he was going to do through Israel and, and for the sake of this world. And then Luke, in his gospel, he takes and connects Jesus back to Adam. And then John, he takes Jesus and connects him back to God at creation, before the world was ever formed. He says the word was God. Now it's a small little word, three letters, and it's in the verb, it's in the imperfect tense. So we, we don't just teach you God's word here, we, we even do a little grammar. All right? But it's important because that, that word was, the verb means continuous or always. So in other words, it could be read like this. In the beginning was always the word. And the Word was always with God. And the Word was always God. He, this, this Word, who is a person, who is God, was always in the beginning with God. In other words, the Word is not something that was created. The Word was God Himself. And then John's saying that the Word is a He. So not, this Word isn't just some, some thing it's actually a, a he. It's a personal pronoun. So God is saying the word he is God, yet distinct from God. Now at this point, you're, again, you're starting to go, okay, you're supposed to be Christmas. We're supposed to be you know, having a fun time here. But my mind is a little bit messed up. What John is doing here is he's confirming what we call a doctrine of the Trinity. Now let me get a little technical with you. The doctrine of the Trinity, the Trinity is not said in the Bible. That word is not in the Bible. The concept is, the teaching is, that there is one God, and yet God exists in three persons. We make the distinction by saying God the Father, God the Son, who we're finding out from John, is actually the Word that was back at creation. Now obviously, he didn't have a body back then. He was spirit. Since God is spirit, he hadn't become Jesus yet. But we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. John is confirming what Moses wrote in Genesis when he wrote this. Then God said, let us. Well, wouldn't God say, let me? Then why is God talking to himself? You know? No, let us make man in our image. He uses a plural. Now God is having, having Moses write Genesis. God is having John write in John's Gospel then what he's trying to tell us is, yes, God is one, but he exists in three persons. 
Now, if this is mind-blowing to you, I hope it is, it should be, we should not be able to fully comprehend God, right? That makes sense? We shouldn't be all worked up, oh, I can't quite understand it. That's fine. What we do know about God is that He is personal, that we can't have a relationship with Him, but we can't fully know Him. We never will, because if we could, then we would be God. And nothing against you guys, but I don't want you guys to be my God, and you don't want me to be your God. We want God to be our God. And so, it's mind-blowing, but it's, it, it's good. It's an okay thing to have. I'll continue on with that sense of blowing our minds, that, that He, the Word, God the Son, created everything. Everything that we see. Now, here's where it gets really cool. If you remember back in Genesis 1, if you don't remember that, uh, I would encourage you to go read it. Because it says this, that God in the beginning created everything, and He spoke, and there was the waters, right? And and He spoke, I might not get in the right order here, but then there was the light. And He spoke, and there was animals. And He spoke, and there was man. And what John is saying is, it's like God the Father was the architect. God the Son, the Word that we know is now Jesus, He's like the builder. And so when God spoke, the words created what God was saying, and that was God the Son who was doing that. The Apostle Paul writes it this way. He says, For He, God the Father, rescued us from the domain of darkness, a spiritual death, and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son, God the Son, Jesus Christ, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So only in Jesus can we have that forgiveness of sin, that being bought back, redeemed means to be bought back. Only in Jesus can that happen. He, God the Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. He shows us who God the Father is. He's the firstborn of all creation. Now that phrase there, a firstborn, does not mean he was created, but that he is over creation. That he is preeminent, as a, to use a big words and press your friends and family. For by him, God the Son, all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. So Paul is just confirming what John has said. He's actually expanded a little bit more to let us know that it's not just physical stuff that we see, but the spiritual side of life God's created. Now, some of you might be going, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. What are you saying? What about this whole evolution thing? We were taught in school, right, that evolution is what created us. I'm not going to get into a big debate over it right now, um, but I would encourage you to research it a little bit more. Because here's the deal. You have two theories of how we got here. All right? And, well, you have a third one, which means the Martians seeded our plant, but planted, but... Uh, Stephen Hawkins believed that when he was alive. Whatever the case. You have two basic ones, right? So you have that we were created by God and that we were brought here, got here somehow through this evolutionary process. They're both faith. We can't go back to the beginning of time. We can't prove it. But as I look at life, this is just me, as I look at life, I look at the complexities of our world. I look at how our earth is tilted and 
how far away we are from the sun and how we have planets in, in front of us that are bigger than we are. And we look at our bodies and the intricacies of our bodies and you know, just all that we are. It, would just, it just makes sense in my head that there would be an eternal God, a, a God who existed before all this ever existed, that he uh, was all-powerful, that he was all-knowing, that he was incredibly creative, and that he designed it and then he created it. The other option is that we had pre-existing gases that existed in eternity past by themselves, just existed within themselves as gases, but then, then something came into that gas to mix it up and have it explode, and here we are. I don't know about you, that's too much faith for me. I have a hard time believing that gases that are just hanging out in, in wherever, that something happened? What, what, what was the something? It makes more sense. It seems to take less faith, if you want to put it that way, to believe that there's a designer. Just look at our world. There's got to be a designer. Anyways, so moving forward, this word, the word, this person, God the Son, is also the creator. He's the source of life, both our physical life and our spiritual life. See, when Adam and Eve first were created, they were created perfectly. They had perfect bodies, and they had spiritual life. They had a, a relationship with God. They interacted with God. The Bible tells us they actually walked with God in the garden. Obviously, God is, God is spirit, but there was this interaction that they had with God. But then they made that choice, that fateful choice that impacted all of us, and they became spiritually dead. They still had their physical bodies, but they were spiritually dead. And for that spiritual life to be restored, God has to do something. This isn't something that we can do for ourselves. And so let me just reread for you real quickly what John said, because God did do something. And this is starting in verse 9. Again, I read this already, but I'm going to throw it up there again. There was the true light, which, coming into the world, enlightens every man, every person. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, Israel, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of, the blood, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Glory is the only begotten from, from the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus is God. Jesus is also man. He became flesh. God sent God the Son. The Bible also tells us, Jesus tells us, that He willingly gave Himself to this mission where He came to earth. We celebrated at Christmas time, this baby that was born. The God of the universe was able to put Himself into a baby's body. And He, was, he, he, he grew up, He lived a perfect life. John will tell us as we go through this that he came to, to show who God was. God in the flesh. 
If you want to know, you know, how do I believe in someone that I can't see? Well, you can believe in somebody you can read about. I, mean, I get it, we can't go back 2,000 years. But, but he existed, he lived. Even secular uh, historians say that Jesus lived. And just like we believe a lot of stuff in the, in the past, we can believe that Jesus existed. We can find out who God is. We can, we can know about his attributes. We know how, how God relates to us. How God cares about us. How God loves us. And it says that this light, that Jesus Christ enlightens every person. In other words, this message is in the world. The spiritual darkness of this world can't keep it out. Part of that is because you and I are going to be sharing it with people. But it's, it's out there for people to know. You're hearing it tonight. It enlightens everybody. The, the, the darkness can't overcome it. But what John tells is that the, the world, by and large, did not know him. And he uses a Greek word that means that he didn't recognize him, didn't take him as their own. Paul tells us in Romans 1 that man chose, made a conscious choice to choose and, and worship the creation, worship, worship themselves rather than the Creator. John goes on to say, well, man, God came to His own people, Israel, and they didn't receive Him. He uses a word that means that they failed to accept Him. They failed to accept Him as God, failed to accept Him as Creator, failed to accept Him as the Messiah. And the question for us tonight as you're sitting here, is what do you say? What's your response? Are you to receive Jesus as your God, as your Creator, as your Savior, or will you reject Him? And this is where the Christmas message intersects with our life. Because a spiritual life and that spiritual understanding is only found in Jesus Christ. Only Jesus can give us those things. John, John says this in, his, uh, in these verses. He says, it's not of blood. What he means by that is it's not a physical thing. Nothing physical can impact us on the spiritual level. This is a spiritual work, and we're spiritually dead, so only a spiritually alive being, God, can do it. He said it's not of the will of the flesh. So it's not something that you can do. It's not you, you going, well, I'm going to do some things. I'm going to, I'm going to make this happen. And I'm going to get, it's like you know, taking the paddles and giving yourself spiritual CPR. You can't do that. You're dead. And then he says, it's not of the will of man. And a lot of people live here. And what they say is, well, I've been told and so I'm taking their word for it, that if I do certain spiritual things, if I do certain religious things, if, if I'm a good person, or I, I become a member, or I get baptized, or you know, whatever it is that they're saying, that they're telling you, oh, you'll be good with God if you do these religious things, these traditional things. The problem is, it's, it's not the will of man. No religious person, leader, can stand up and say, oh, you've done those things, therefore you're good with God, you're right with God. Because it is a, it's from God's will. God is the one who does the work. And again, I'm not saying it. We're looking at it from the Bible. Only God gives spiritual life and understanding.
In verse 12 he says, but as many as received him. And so one thing that God is telling us, we need to receive Jesus. And to receive there, that word actually means to take hold of for yourselves. It's, it's actually almost a violent word in the Greek. That you grasp and you hold on for dear life. Just like if you're sitting out in the ocean. I've heard some people lately have been falling off of cruise ships. I don't know if you've been reading those stories. Pardon me. I don't know if you've been reading those stories or not, but uh, people have been falling off. I shouldn't laugh, but they've been falling off of cruise ships. And they were able to find one of the guys, and he was frantically swimming. You throw that person a life preserver, and what they're going to do? They're going to receive it. They're going to hang on to it for dear life. And so those who believe, that word has this idea of trusting one's spiritual being to. It's not, it's not just having, oh yeah, I believe there's a guy who lived, blah, blah, blah. No, it's believing in the Greek means to entrust your spiritual well-being to. Put your full weight of trust on someone. I use this illustration almost every time I talk about this, so people from our church are probably getting tired of hearing me say it, but it's a good one. I was watching every one of you come in. Well, no, I'm not that weird. But anyways, I was, I was watching as people came in. And as you came in, you, you looked for a chair. I know it's crowded. Um, but you looked for a chair. When you found the chair, you all went like this. You grabbed the legs and you moved the chair around. And you slammed it on the ground a little bit, checked the back, make sure that if you sat down, you wouldn't go flying to the ground. Actually, nobody did that. You all came in and you believed that that chair would hold you. You put your full weight of trust and that's what God is saying we need to do in order to have that spiritual life and that spiritual understanding. The interesting thing what John does here is he, he's kind of looking ahead, especially what he's going to be talking about in John 3, what Jesus is going to talk about in John 3. And he doesn't say you'll have spiritual life and light at this point. He says if you receive him and you believe in his name, you'll have the right the power, the authority to be a child of God. What God is saying, listen, this isn't just giving you spiritual life. I'm adopting you into my family. You will be my child. But as the band comes up, I want to be able to, on God's behalf, I guess in that sense, to offer you that gift. Again, I don't know where you guys are, I don't know if you feel like, man, I'm in spiritual darkness or, or what. But my, my challenge to you tonight, the world rejected Jesus. Israel rejected Jesus. But my challenge to you tonight, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you wouldn't reject him, that you would receive him, that you would hang on to him, that you tell him that you're trusting in him fully, and so you then can become child of God, you would have that spiritual life and that spiritual understanding. I'd like everybody to close their eyes real quick. And if that's you, if you're thinking, man, I, I need to do that tonight, let me, just, um, let me just pray a prayer. Again, when we do this, it, the prayer doesn't save you. I'm not saving you. It's going to be God saving you. It's your heart to God's heart. You're just admitting that you've sinned, that you're separated from God. You've been doing life your way. And then you, you just want to tell them that, you're, that you believe that you're going to put your full weight of trust on Him when He says that Jesus died on the cross for your sin. And then confess that. Just tell God that. So 
If that's you tonight, if that's what you need to do, let me go ahead and I'm just going to pray a prayer. And this would be your prayer to God. Uh, it's just having a conversation with God. And just say something along these lines. God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've been doing life my way. I know I'm separated from you. But I, I now know and I believe I'm putting my full weight of trust that Jesus died to take your judgment for me. I want to tell you that I believe that. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. And I'm trusting in Christ and Christ alone for my salvation. Adopt me into your family. In Jesus' name, amen. Just keep your eyes closed. If, if you've prayed that prayer, um, I would just love to know that. And just simply raise your hand up real quick and put it, put it back down. If you've prayed that prayer, you know, thanks. Is anybody else prayed that prayer to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior be adopted into God's family? Anybody else? Let's go ahead and stand. And we're going to close out with the band. You guys ready? Close us out? Nice. Go ahead and stand. Let's close out the service.